Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. We are in the sanctuary of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, and you have tuned in because we are in the sanctuary of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, which means one major thing. It means many things, but it means one thing in particular. Jesus has not come back yet. So there's a word from the Lord to prepare us for his coming. God bless you. Listen, you got time to call someone, text someone. You got time to get your Bible, your electronic device, maybe your coffee, and sit down and enjoy this word with us. It's going to bless your life. We're going to get right into it. But before I do, I do want to say again, on behalf of Pastor Deborah and myself, we are so grateful and appreciative to everyone that has celebrated with us this whole month. Your prayers, your cards, your gifts, your seeds, your love, your attendance, it just means so much to us and our family, and we do appreciate and thank you for that. We really, really do. So bless your heart. All right, uh, let's pray and go into the Word. Are you ready? I am. Bow your heads with me. Father, we do thank and praise you for another opportunity to be before your people. We do take it so seriously, and we thank you for this hour in which we live, that there is always a word from the Lord to comfort, to heal, to settle disputes, to bring clarity to our lives and the things that are happening in the world. Anoint me tonight to bring clarity and understanding and healing to a people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you. Um, Open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number seven. And this actually is the conclusion of the matter in regard to our 25 years of pastoring. Uh, actually, 29 years as church's existence. We were the assistant pastors. So uh, let's 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 talk about this and let's seal this, uh, at least in this season. Hebrews 13, seven re reads, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. We've prayed already. You may be seated if you're in the house of God. So we're talking about following God. This is the last installment of this particular series, and we're talking about following God. Now, I may go a little bit longer because I need to finish some things. Some things have to be said. Tried to whittle it down best I could, but some things just need to be said. So remembering is keeping things alive, keeping something alive. So when we remember those that have the rule over us spiritually and those, those that speak the word of God to us, we're keeping alive the word. We're keeping alive the words that they have preached. We're keeping alive the word of God that they have taught us. It is the responsibility of the pastor to speak the word of God to the people. Now, this sounds elementary, but unfortunately, there are a lot of people that get a microphone and start what they call a church, and they're giving people their opinion more than they're telling people the word of God. So a pastor must know the word of God in order to share the word of God. Why? Why is the word of God important? Because the word of God discloses and reveals the mind of God to the people. Let me say that again. The word of God reveals and discloses the mind of God to the people. What God thinks of the people. We need to know what God thinks of us. This is why the preacher, the teacher, the pastor is to give you the word of God so you know what God thinks of you in spite of what the world is doing. Following, write this down if you're taking notes, and that should be everyone. Following requires information and inspiration. Following requires information. You need to know what you're following, where we're going. And we need to have inspiration 
in order to follow. Following requires inspiration. Why do I say that? Because people follow what they like. People follow who inspires them. I'm going to say that again. People follow what and who they like. And they also follow who and what inspires them. So the pastor is inspired, inspirited, spirit breathed into by God so that he can speak for God on behalf of God that in turn the words they speak get in you and inspire you. Inspiration is being stimulated to do or feel something. (laughs) Inspiration is being stimulated. The word of God stimulates us. This is why it's more important to say what God says than to what I feel, because my words may not won't inspire you as much as God's word should inspire us. Why? Because we were breathed into by God. And we were created with his spirit in us in the image and likeness of God. So there should be no one that inspires you and I. Oh, my God, more than God. I'm getting excited already. There should be no one for the believer. That should inspire them more than God. That's why when you and I hear the word of God, it stimulates us. That's why people quicken and praise and say hallelujah, because something was said that inspired you, that motivated you, that stimulated you to act. Mm. Inspiration, again, is being breathed into, inspirited. It's being breathed into. It's allowing that breath that we receive, which is spirit, to motivate us to act. Words are spirit. Write that down, please. Words are spirit. They inspire, they influence, and they stimulate action. That's what words do. Words are spirit. They inspire. Once we hear them, they enter into us. They inspire us. Then they influence. They flow into us. And then they stimulate us to do something. That's what commercials do. A lot of things you wouldn't have in your house if you didn't seen the commercial a hundred times. John 6, 63. Again, words are spirit. Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words, Jesus says, that I speak... Huh, have spoken to you. They are spirit and they are life. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. When we read, hear, preach, taught, and receive the word of God, we receive the spirit of God and the life of God. If you want to remain alive spiritually as a believer, you must have a daily intake of the word of God. This is why we must fall in love with the word of God and not just preaching and rhetoric and hallelujah. No, you need the word. If you're going to follow God, we need the word of God. Because it's the words we hear and obey that influence us the most. It's the words we hear and obey that influence us the most. Pastors are called shepherds because we lead God's people to God with his word. A person is not a real shepherd if they're not leading people to God. Selah. Where is your pastor leading you? That will tell you if God sent them, if God anointed them. Real. <laughs> well, let me say it this way. You can tell. Hmm. How do I want to say this? Yeah, I'll use me because. Yeah, I, I, I after 25, of course, it didn't take quite 25 years. <laughs> 
I can tell as a pastor if I'm really leading you or if somebody else is. Because the real pastors in your lives are the people you really listen to and you really follow. See, there's always been people who speak against what the pastor teaches. It's, it's, this has been true since before I was pastoring. But, but ask yourself this question. Ask yourself this question. Do you really think your life was better before you had a pastor? Hmm, say a lot. Do you really think your life was better before you had a pastor? I'll let the Holy Ghost help you with that. See, many Jews in the wilderness that followed Moses, they thought their lives were better before Moses came along. We have the benefit of history. We have the benefit of scripture. He said, Moses, you brought us out here to die. You think God gave you this man to lead you to death? You were in slavery. You were, you were jacked up already. But you, you don't understand God sent this man into your life to deliver you so he could teach you how to get to me. He's to lead you to me. But you're looking at the desert and the rocks and the scorpions. You can't see me anymore because of what you're going through. And this is the importance of pastors, because we bring the word of God to you to tell you you're not in the wilderness any longer. The same thing happened to Jesus. Many who followed Jesus stopped valuing Jesus's words and walked away. In John 6, 68, this happened when Jesus said, hey, Unless you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you have no part with me. Many people say, man, that's a hard saying. Who can bear it? And the Bible says, and many, somebody say many, many stopped following. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, what, what you going to do? What y'all going to do? And Peter said in John 6, 68, Lord, where, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words we're following you because your words are leading us to eternal life. Do you understand the importance of a pastor that's called and anointed and appointed by God where they're leading you? Why their words are so important? Peter obviously did. Peter and others knew Jesus spoke words that are filled with spirit and life. There was nowhere else for them to go and nowhere else they wanted to go. Let me call people back to the church, back to a God-believing, Bible-teaching church to sit under an anointed man and woman of God that's leading you with the word of God. Let me commend you. Let me encourage you to come back to the church. People who inspire us lead us. Because they stimulate us. They encourage us to do more and be more. For the saints, it's the influence of God. Hallelujah. There shouldn't be just anybody that encourages you and stimulates you to follow them. For the believer in particular, it should be people who we recognize have the core beliefs that are in the scriptures. I'm following you because I see your core beliefs have manifested in your life and produced the kingdom. Hallelujah. For the saints, it's the influence of God. I love what one of the things, well, I love a lot of what he said, but one of the things in particular that Bishop Bill Hines said, uh, he talked about what we should have learned and should be learning as a result of COVID. And the main thing is we should come to church to be influenced by God. I'm not, we're not coming to church because 
because, you know, we, we, we're having a dog and pony show. We're not coming to church because of, uh, of all these other things that people can do in church. We're coming to church to be influenced by God. And, and that's the primary reason we come is to hear the word of God from a man of God so we can be influenced by God and become more like him. For the scripture, again, tells us in Genesis 2 and 7 that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. When you hear the word of God taught to you, it is the breath of life. And man became a living soul with a mind, with desires, emotions, that we became more like God. We became God-like, or we are made in the image and likeness of God. So then as we continue reading God's word, we develop <laughs> and are inspired to think like God. Why would you want to think differently than your creator who created you to be like him? So the way we Think like God is reading the word of God because it comes from the mind of God and it is the very thoughts of God. So we become godly. Our desires become godly. Everything that we do becomes more like God because we are hearing his word and it is inspiring us to do and to think like God. Man. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he quoted from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, 5, that is now in the Gospels recorded here, at least in Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Write this down. This is going to change your life forever. Write this down. Loving, excuse me, loving begins with the heart and moves to the mind. Love begins with the heart and then moves to the mind. Why do I say that? Because loving always leads to learning. Write that down. Loving always leads to learning. Loving leads to learning. Always. People with advanced degrees in a particular subject are often people with a great love for a particular subject they can't get enough of, math. They just can't get enough of math, numbers. They just love math, numbers. And so they continue to learn math, various types and forms and formula of mathematical equations, even to the point where they go to college and get bachelors and masters and on and on and on because they have a love for math that they can only satisfy by learning about math. What you love, you learn about. You cannot tell me, and beyond me, you can't tell God you love him if you stop learning about him. You can't tell your husband or your wife that you love them and you stop learning about them. What we love, we constantly, continually learn about. Love is measured by learning. And it's particularly the same in the kingdom of God. Hmm. How much do you love God? Ask yourself that. How much do I love God? Your, your answer, the obvious answer is, it's based on how much you're learning about him. How much you pick up your Bible or what you pick up before, uh, rather than your Bible and read or do. That's an indication 
of your love level. See, learning ultimately leads to transformation. Learning leads to transformation. What we learn about changes our mind, our will, our emotions, and it changes our entire life. So you can tell, again, what you love by what's transforming you, what you're changing into. Write this down. I know you're taking a lot of notes, but this is another thing that's very, very important. Write this down. It is impossible, impossible. It is impossible to intimately and intelligently love someone you know little or nothing about. Let me say that again. It is impossible impossible to intimately and intelligently love God when you know little or nothing about God. So, so let me help somebody. You need to grow and graduate from saying my pastor said this than saying the scripture says this. Come on, somebody. The scripture says this. God says this. You need to graduate from only only saying what your pastor says, because that's an indication. All you do is listen to your pastor and you don't read the Bible yourself. So you don't intimately love God. You love God through me. And you could start out there, but you should never remain there because it makes it easy for me to manipulate you if I were a manipulative person which happens in so many churches and religious organizations. People only listen to what the person is saying. The person becomes the authority and not the word of God in the house. Say amen. So it's impossible to intimately and intelligently love someone that you know little or nothing about. All you know is what somebody told you about God. You don't know yourself. You got big old thick Bible comes in all kind of uh, 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 forms, electronic paper, all this. And you won't even read it. But you say you love God. The woman at the well. in John chapter four said this. <laughs> she said to Jesus, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Verse 20. Here's what she says. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Look, look, look. They were all worshipers. Jesus was a worshiper. She was a worshiper. She said, our fathers taught us where we should worship on that mountain. Watch what Jesus says in verse 22. Very strong. Don't hear this. Hear this well. Hear it with clarity. Jesus said, you people don't know what you're worshiping. We Jews know who we worship because salvation is of the Jews, which tells us you can worship and worship wrong. Are you worshiping wrong? Are you worshiping the way your forefathers told you, not the way the Bible tells you? Jesus said, you don't know, he told him, well, you don't know what you're worshiping. That, 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 that's heartbreaking. That for generations, they've been worshiping, and Jesus comes on and said, you don't know what you're doing. You go into church, you don't know what you're doing, because ain't no Bible being taught, ain't no word. You know what you're doing. What you in there doing? You're running, jumping, shouting, dancing, you got good singing. You don't know what you're doing. Because there's no word. There's no truth. I'm concerned today, I'm concerned that many people were never taught who to worship, but they were taught how to worship. You were never taught who to worship, but you were taught how to worship. So you watched how they did that jig and they danced. You watched how they testified. Got up, got the, you said everything everybody else said. You don't know who you're talking about. That's the pastor's job. Hosea 4.1, let's go deeper. You okay? Oh, yeah, I see you. Okay, praise God. This is Hosea. Hosea, chapter 4, verse number 1. 
Listen to the word of the Lord, you Israelites. The Lord has brought these charges against those who live in the land. Guys, I got, I got some charges to, to, to come against you. I got some controversy. I think the King James says, I got a problem with you who live in the land I brought you to. Who live in the land I taught you how to live in, but you ain't living like that. I got a problem. He goes on to say, there is no faith in the land. There's no faith. God brought them to the promised land and they forgot the word. They got religious. They put on garments. They, did, got, they had candles. They, they had all these rituals, but they did not have the word because it takes the word to have faith. So if you have no faith, there ain't no word there. So he says there is no faith. There's no love. You need the word of God. If you're going to have the love of God, you need the spirit of God. If you're going to have the love of God, he says there's no faith. There's no love. There's no knowledge of God in the land. Wait a minute. We're in the promised land. We are God's chosen people. We are God's special people. Shotobo Rabbah. I know he love us. But God says there's no knowledge of me in the land. So who are you loving? Who are you worshiping? What do your rituals mean? What does your dance mean? What does your music mean? What does it mean? There's no knowledge of me in the land. Verse 2. There is cursing, lying, murdering, stealing, and adultery. Why? Because they've not been taught not to do these things. That's why they're doing them. They're not, the word isn't in the land. There's no pastor, preacher, priest teaching this, so they don't know not to do it. Hmm. There is cursing, lying, murdering, stealing, and adultery. He says, people break my laws. Why? Because nobody's teaching them. We've got people, Christians today, that believe the Ten Commandments don't apply. That's wrong. That's not the law of Moses that we do away with and it's just grace, grace. You, don't, you need to be taught. That's why you need a real pastor to tell you the Ten Commandments are still relevant in our lives today. This is what God is saying through Hosea. He said, the people break my laws. Why? Because they ain't been taught. He says, and there's one, there is one murder after another. Am I in the house? There's one mass shooting after another. Why? Because people aren't being taught. People aren't being taught. Newsflash. When people get taught again that God says thou shalt not murder, I guarantee you murder will go down. But because people aren't being taught that anymore, people don't, people murder. We got to tell our children and our grandchildren, God says thou shalt not murder. So they're taught the law of God so they don't go get a gun. Even if the Republicans, oh, let me, I don't want to get into that right here. Even if the politicians won't stop guns. You've been taught thou shalt not murder. The law of God. There's no knowledge of God in the land. Only cursing, lying, murdering, stealing, adultery. People break the laws, but, and there's one murder after another. Verse 3, therefore the land mourns. There's a, everything, everything is in the Bible. The land mourns. People are upset. Basketball coaches going off talking. Not talking about basketball, talking about the murders. The land mourns. Everybody's in mourning. Watch this. And all who dwell in it languish. You can't help but be moved by senseless killings in uh, uh, Buffalo, New York of 10 black people. You can't help but be moved by 19. You can't help it. Languishing. Then he goes on to say, and also the beasts of the field, the birds in the heavens and the fish in the sea are taken away. The ecosystem is messed up. They want to tell you it's global warming. Let me tell you what it is. It's the lack of knowledge of God. 
That's what the Bible says. I don't need to be a scientist. I'm a man of God. The ecosystem, the birds, the bees, the, 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 the fish, they're all being impacted by lawlessness, by wickedness, by people who are not taught the law of God. It impacts the whole world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People break my laws and there is one murder after another. Verse three, therefore, the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish and the beasts of the field and the birds in heaven. and Even the fish of the sea are taken away. They're dying. Verse four, no one should accuse other people or bring charges against them. It's stop blaming. the. It's that person. It's that group. It's not. This is what the Bible says. Stop blaming it. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's the, stop blaming people. It's a trick of the devil to have us fighting and killing each other when the real issue is we're not being taught the word of God. The devil wants us to kill each other, mad at each other. Trick of the enemy. No one should accuse other people or bring charges against them. My case is against you priests. Uh Uh-oh. God said my case, my problem is with the people that should be teaching you better that ain't teaching you better. So that's why your world is going crazy. That's why your society is going crazy. That's why people are killing each other because the preachers are getting up, preaching everything but the word of God. Scared to tell you the truth. Well-known, famous preacher. I don't don't believe in saying nothing bad over the pulpit. You need to go somewhere and sit down. God says, because the people ignore his word, the land mourns. That's what the Bible says. I'd rather go with what God says than what anybody says. I don't care who you are. God says, because the people ignore his word, the land mourns. You can't pass enough laws. You can't make or force enough people to do anything to change what's happening unless you change their hearts and minds with the word of God. God says no one should be blamed but all of us, but particularly the priests because you're not teaching my people what you should be teaching my people. He says since the priests didn't teach God's word, He says the people stumble. This is what's happening out here. People are stumbling over their sexual identity. People are stumbling over love and care because there's the breakdown in the family. People are stumbling in their marriages. People are stumbling in their finances. People are stumbling in schools. They're stumbling in politics. People are stumbling in business because they're not being taught by priests. They stumble and eventually fall. Fall where? Fall from grace. What? Fall into sin. And then the Bible says the priests also stumble. The prophet, rather. The prophet So now we got prophets prophesying stuff that God ain't saying. Because they've fallen, because there's no word in them. So their prophecy is void of breath. It's void of inspiration. It's void of anointing. It's void of influence. Because there's no word in it. Because there's no word in them. And then finally... God says, I will destroy your mother. What does that mean? This is not our natural biological mother. You must understand that at that particular time, and still some say even today, that the nation that you're from is your mother. So when God says, I will destroy your mother, he says, I'm going to destroy your nation. How many times did God have to destroy Israel, the mother, and scatter them because they wouldn't listen to the word? I wonder, what does that mean to America? 
Hosea 4, 6. God says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. This is not STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. We're not destroyed because we're not smart enough in science. We're not destroyed because we don't have enough technology. I know that's what the world wants you. Oh, we're going to figure it out. Man's going to figure it out. That's a lie from hell. Man is smarter than we've ever been. We've got more problems than we've ever had. So then our knowledge is not going to stop what's going on. My brothers and my sisters, get that in your spirit. Get it in your heart and in your head. There, oh, technology is going to fix all this. No, it won't. It's the knowledge of God that's missing that Hosea is inspired to tell us. God says, my people are destroyed for the lack. They don't want to know me because you have rejected knowledge. Knowledge of me, God says. You come to church, you want to have a good time, you want to shout and dance, you want your blessing, but you don't want to know nothing about me. God says, I reject you from being a priest to me. I'm rejecting you not telling these people about me. You're not preaching the truth. You're not teaching what you want. You're just exciting the people. You're just a big entertainer with a collar on. He says, since you've forgotten the law of your God, I will forget your children. Isn't that happening right now? Innocent children are being killed because we reject the knowledge of God. And he told us what would happen, but we don't want to read the Bible. We just want to have a good time. We want to blame everybody. We want to point the finger to everybody. That's what, you see, they default. See, they the problem. No, we are the problem. The priest, the preacher. The preacher is afraid to tell you the truth. So this is what we get. God is forgotten. So God says, I'll forget your children. Is this what we want? Isaiah 5, 13, God says, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge of me. When God's priests, his pastors, don't teach people God's word, all of creation falls apart. God's divine order is disrupted and nothing works like it's supposed to. Nothing. Everything breaks down even to the most, even to the cellular level. Things break down when we don't do things God's way. From climate change to sex change. Mm The problems in nature, the weather, the ecosystem, policy, all the things I've already said, business, violence, mass shootings, they're all the result of the lack of knowledge of God. Parents don't tell their children, teach their children the Ten Commandments anymore. Thou shall not steal. So they just steal and they just tell. You're not taught. Ignoring God's instructions from a man of God is a dangerous thing. I know I'm just, just a little, little old guy talking to you. I, I, you, I know you don't like some of the things I say, you know, whatever, whatever, but I'm not giving you my opinion. God says his people are destroyed for the lack of the knowledge of God. That's what he says. I believe him over you. Who else teaches us? about God, but someone sent from God. We ought to be in 2022, 2,000 plus years from the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ought to be more able to identify somebody God sent than somebody we just like that went. The Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah when he was on his way home. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 8 that the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost said to Philip the evangelist, go over to him, go over to his chariot. And so Philip obeys the Holy Ghost because he knows it's the Holy Ghost because he knows the Bible and he knows God. Some of y'all think you listening to the Holy Ghost, but you don't know enough of the word to know whether that's the Holy Ghost or not. You just telling folk it's the Holy Ghost. 
You don't know God. How are you going to know God if you don't read your Bible? You don't know the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. Some of y'all don't think there is no Father, Son, it's just Jesus. You don't read your Bible. So the Holy Ghost tells him that you need to go over to <laughs> and talk to, the, to, uh, to uh, the, the eunuch. And so he sees the eunuch, and in verse number 31 of Acts chapter 8, he says, uh, do you understand, or actually verse number 30, Philip asked him, do you know, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? The man was educated. He could read. He says in verse 31, how can I unless someone explains it to me? You're reading things you need somebody anointed of God to explain to you because you don't understand it. But you just say, oh, well. Isn't it time? It's time that you, every verse of the Bible you read, you need to understand it. At least at the first level and layer of revelation. You need to know what you're reading. You can't read a book and 30% of it you don't understand what the words mean. I wish I had time. Let me say this. This is the conclusion of the matter. All right. Uh, uh, Reverend somebody going to show up here right now real quick. Reverend somebody. Reverend somebody would tell you. I remember when I first started pastoring, me and Deborah absolutely, but, but, but when I first started pastoring and, and had to bring a message two and three times a week, I, I didn't have the resources at home. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't a, a training coordinator. I worked at Abbott, so I, I didn't have pastoral tools. So I would drive all the way to Trinity International University and go into their library and study. And, and, and there were times, and this make me sound old, and then there were times that I, I couldn't go that far. I would go to the, the Waukegan Library, and I would go through the, use microfish. Some of y'all think I'm fishing, you know, Right. No, 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 microfish. Don't Google it now. Google it later. And, and until I built up a library at my house and got enough Bible software, I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over 25 years to study the Bible so I could understand what you don't understand to help you understand what God is saying to you so you could be inspired, learn about God, and there would be transformation in your life. I never, I'm, and I'm not running anybody up. I'm talking about, I'm repping somebody. I never was one of them preachers that got up and, come on, let's praise him for 20 minutes because I ain't got nothing to say because I ain't had no time to study. Some of y'all grew up in churches like that. You didn't know it. You sweated and sweated your hair out. And you, whew, I had a good time, but you didn't learn anything. Anything. Pastor Donnell said something, a number of things, but one of the things he said that was so powerful, he remembers particular sermons that he heard me preach. If you go to a church and you can't remember what your pastor preached, let's get a benediction, let's go home right now. If you can't remember what was preached, something wrong. Hmm. The Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip, how can I understand except someone explain it to me? And he invited Philip to climb up into his chariot and teach him. When are you going to allow me to climb up into your brain and teach you? When are you going to get out of your emotion and let someone teach you who God is so you could become godly? obvious this man wanted to know who God was because he wanted to know the scriptures. Following God begins with learning who he is. And it's the pastor. It's his responsibility to teach you who God is, not just to get prosperous. Deuteronomy 4.8. I'm almost finished, I think. And what great nation, Deuteronomy 4.8, what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law I've set before you today, God says. What nation? Who has 
righteous laws. Where are you going to find this kind of righteousness? Where are you going to find these statutes that govern your life and cause you to have mental, physical, spiritual health? and every, Where are you going to find that? God of mercy. Let's, he says, only take care. Verse 9, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 4, 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget. What's the opposite of forgetting? Remembering. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they, they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. This is what America stopped doing several generations ago. We stopped reminding our children what God says. So we got godless children. And you blaming everybody else. Verse 10, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Hebron, or Horeb, excuse me, and the Lord said to me, hear this now, gather the people, this is what the Lord says, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth and that they may teach their children to do the same. God said, gather the people together to hear my words. That's what church is about. It's gathering together to hear the word of God. Let me challenge and encourage and call you forth again back into the house of God where it is the one and only place you would, should be guaranteed to hear the words of God so you can be godly. That's the pastor's job. And wherever you find a pastor willing to teach the word of God uncompromisingly and teaches you who God is so you can be godly, you ought to come to that church. Again, when children are taught, God says, thou shalt not murder, then they fear God and they may not typically murder somebody. But the reason they can just shoot their grandmama and shoot each other on the street, there's no fear of God. When the children are taught not to worship idol gods, when children are taught witchcraft is bad, it doesn't spread across, across the country. But because you're not telling and the preacher is spreading everywhere, they can get online and, do, and learn everything. Mark 9, 2. Mark, Matthew 9, 2, rather. And behold, they brought to him, Jesus, a man sick of palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith. Can Jesus see your faith? Or can he see you can dance real good? You dress real sharp, man. Jesus, man, you, 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 man, you can sing. Ooh. But can he see your faith? Jesus saw their faith. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the man, sick of palsy, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus saw their faith. As soon as they got off the boat, they saw this, brought this paralyzed man be healed. They knew who they were coming to. They knew what the word would do. Do you know what the word does every time you hear it? Do you have faith in the word every time it goes forth? Will you be unparalyzed? Will you be released in your mind? Some of y'all are paralyzed in your mind. You're paralyzed in your finances. You're paralyzed in your marriage. You're paralyzed in your other relationships. You need to come to the word in faith. this down. Our faith is seen in how we respond to the problems in the world. Our faith is seen in how we respond to the problems in the world. Do we respond like everybody else? Or do we bring a change? Do we speak the word? Do we release the anointing? Oh no, God can fix this. Oh no, we're going to pray until something happens. 
Hebrews 6.12, tell us, or tells us rather, not to become lazy. COVID has helped too many church folk get lazy and give in to the pressures of life and lose hope. I'm going to say that again. COVID has assisted greatly in helping a lot of saints get lazy. It's something about getting up and going to church. You have to think all day long, I got to go to church. It sets the tempo and the pace of your life, particularly if you're going to dress up. See, this is why we got to really sometimes put some effort into dressing up to come to church. Because it changes the rhythms, the circadian rhythms. It changes your flow. It changes your heart rate. It changes how you think and how you feel because you have to insert that in your mind to be there all day. I got to go to church. I can't go here. I can't go there. I got to go here now. I got to go there and come back around. Then I got to get this ready. It helps you get ready for what God wants to do. It helps us prepare for a move of God. But if you can just come to church every single time with the same stuff you had on all day long, there is no separation. There's no dividing line. There's no line of demarcation. So church is just like going anywhere else. But you got to understand you're coming here to hear the word of God. You have an audience with the word of God who is God. So you get spiritually lazy. You ain't praying like you used to. You ain't reading the Bible like you used to. You stop coming to church. You, you slow down. You stop worshiping. You don't lift your hands. You can't remember the last time you cried, you know, hearing a worship song. You just, you changing. See, lazy doesn't happen all at once. <laughs> lazy doesn't happen all at once. It takes time. It's a gradual process. Check out what the devil is doing. Look at what the world is doing, changing your processes. 1 Corinthians 1, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be, Paul says, be ye followers of me, even I, as I am also of Christ. Be ye followers, remember them that have, Hebrews 13, 7, remember them that have the rule over you, that speak the word of God over you, whose faith follow. When you follow the man and woman of God, you're imitating our faith. You're imitating our Christ-likeness. That's why you need to see Christ-like people up in front of you so you know how to copy them. You can't keep nasty, ungodly, wicked people up in front of you and think you're going to live right? It doesn't work that way. In no vocation. You'll never see a doctor in their uh, training, in their residency, being trained by a failing doctor. Why would you duplicate what he failed or she failed at? You'll never see an athlete training with somebody that didn't make it to the NBA. But we accept that in the church. Why would you let somebody that's not succeeding in God teach you who God is? Selah. Following the kingdom way is imitating, copying, mimicking the faith of faithful people. You need to be around. Say, oh, my God, I feel this in my spirit. I'm talking to somebody. I could call your name out, but I won't. You need to be around more faithful people. You're struggling in your faith because you're around faithless people, carnal people. Can't, they can't help you in your faith because they're struggling in their faith. You need to tell them we both need to go sit under James Logan. Philippians 3.17. I'm almost finished, I think. Paul again says, brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which also walk as you have me as an ensample. Paul says we are ensamples. Ensamples are different than examples. I've said this before. Apostle Joy Zamora taught me this 20 years ago. I never forgot it. An ensample is a sample from within the righteous group. An example is somebody that's a, a sample outside the kingdom. See, too many believers, you use people that are examples. That's why you're struggling. 
You need to find somebody that's shown up, bona fide, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, and let them be an insample to you. Hmm. An insample is a pattern that's set. You need some set patterns, and I hear God talking to somebody. You've got the wrong patterns established in your life. That's why you up, you're up and down and struggling. You've got the wrong pattern. You need to let a godly man and woman establish a godly pattern in your life of how to live so that you can see what's coming in the future. Mm-hmm. A pattern is something that's made by an impression. Who's impressing you more than God or people of God? You impressed with Megan the, the Stallion. No wonder you dress like that. Tell who's making an impression upon you because you're imitating them. People that should be making the greatest impression on saints should be people of faith, which is why we need to live it. Verse number nine, Paul says, Those things which you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me do. I'll read it again. Paul says, the things you've learned from me, the things you've received from me, the things you've heard me say, the things you've seen me do, repeat those things. And the peace of God will be with you. You have no peace because you're not imitating godly people. You come to church. (laughs) Pastor says A B C D. You go home and your kid said, "Didn't Pastor Bishop say A B C?" Well, you know we don't. You know Bishop just be saying some stuff. You ain't really got to do all that. No wonder we're in trouble. Learning is allowing someone to pile helpful information into our mind. That's what learning is. And I say helpful because you can learn bad stuff. But I'm here to put good stuff in your head. The real question then is, who are you giving access to your mind? Who has access to your mind? Who's putting stuff in your mind? See, true learning comes from the ability to place the right knowledge in people's minds to help them construct or build a life that God desires. (laughs) That's what instruction means, to build within. What are you letting God build in you as a result of being at this church? Because if you haven't let God build anything in you, don't blame me, your life ain't worth nothing. To receive is to take to yourself and make it a part of yourself. Don't tell me you don't know how to receive because you go to the mall all the time. You made that pretty dress a part of you. (laughs) You made that suit a part of you. It's the same thing with the word. You go get the word, you receive it from me, and you take it and make it a part of you. Heard here means to be a, it's a continuous act. You got to keep hearing it. You just can't go to church every now and then. You need to hear. Faith cometh by hearing. It's a constant. It's continuous. You need to continually hear the word. That's why you need to read it yourself. That's why we make our notes available online so you can go back over the the notes and continue to receive. You need to be able to receive the word to the point where you now can quote it yourself in the right context, the right situations when you talk to people. Seen here is the ability to look at a man or woman of God and see them as true men and women of God because you see and have been paying attention to their lifestyle. You watch their marriage. You watch them raise their children. You watch how they handle the finances. That's what you're supposed to do. That's how you know that's a man or woman of God. 
again. It's almost eight. I'm finishing here. Hebrews 13, 17. Not 13, 7, 13, 17. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. This, this, when he says obey your leaders, he's talking about godly people. Not somebody to roll up on you at Walgreens and call, they call themselves Apostle Bluehead. And they give you a word and it's accurate. You don't know that man or woman. They just, you don't know where they got that information. It could be a familiar spirit. Don't obey them. Obey somebody you've been watching for years. Listen to someone you've been watching for years. Obey the, your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That's what I do. That's our job. We watch what? Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. See, if you come here enough, you won't go crazy. If you come here enough and listen to the word, you won't leave frustrated. We watch over your soul, your mind. Get some of that crazy stuff out of your mind the world been putting in there. Your boss been saying to you, come here to word and let me watch over your mind, your will. Your will will transform. You'll want to do what God says. The more you hear the word and see a word living man and woman in front of you, you'll want to do the word. Your emotions will be healed. We got all this emotional baggage that we're carrying around because you won't let me watch over your soul and you won't hear the word that God gives me that will help your emotional stress. You stay emotionally up and down because you're not hearing the word. You're not letting me watch over your soul. As those who have to give account God's going to ask me, he's going to make me accountable to your souls. I remember a number of years ago we had, and all deaths are, are hard to deal with, but we had some tragic deaths, one after another, after another. And uh, it was one of the hardest times for our pastor. I can remember coming up those stairs after a repast and the late great mother Edie said, Bishop, there's another funeral next week. I'm like, my God. And I was struggling and praying to help understand it myself so I could help the church understand. I did the best I could at the time but I'll never forget when God said to me several months later, after it had subsided, it changed my life. And I've shared this with other pastors and leaders. God said to me, he said, son, you've been looking at this wrong. He said, you need to look at it like this. I let these people sit under you the last months of their life. I trusted you with their souls before they left here. Changed my life. You trusted me to bring them the words that they needed to hear before they transitioned. If I never took pastoring serious, I took it ever, ever so seriously from that point on. Because I'm watching over your soul. I'm not up here just throwing out scriptures and I ain't got nothing to put together. It doesn't mean anything and it's just something I need to say to you to pass the time. You need every single message that comes out of our mouth to inspire you, to influence you, to strengthen you, to continue to follow This is the job of a pastor, a man of God who follows God, a man who is willing to make his life an example, to give up his personal plans and sacrifice his time 
to bring you a word to live before you in a way that you can follow God. Everyone stand on your feet, please. That's why we got to remember. That's why God says, remember them that have the rule over you, that speak the word to you. Lift your hands. Father, we surrender again to your word. We surrender to your will. We surrender to your ways, oh God. We are a hurting people. We are a hurting nation. We are a hurting world. We are a hurting generation. And it's because we have ignored your word. We do not seek your knowledge. We seek science, technology, engineering, and math. We seek to fix our own problems. And we don't come to you. We ignore you. We have rejected the knowledge of God. We said it's antiquated. We say we are, we're, we're, the world is too advanced. How advanced are we if we're killing children? In schools and in abortion clinics. How advanced can we be when we ignore your word? <laughs> Forgive us, oh God, of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Forgive us. Every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. Every man is making up his own God. Some are serving another Jesus other than the one found in Scripture. Take us back to the old landmark. Take us back to your word. Anoint men and women again with boldness to declare what thus saith the Lord in the, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. God, give us the strength by your spirit, O oh God, as we approach Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. Let your spirit fill us again. Let your breath renew us again. Oh, God, do a new work in your church and allow us to be the glorious church that you come back for without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. Let us be holy. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Wash us. Breathe upon us. Breathe within us so we can follow you truly. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and 